All right, why don't we get into the word today? Just going to jump right in. We're going to go to Mark chapter 2, 1 through 12. Uh, We're not really, we're kind of in an in-between between Advent and our anniversary, so don't really have like a a sermon collection that we're in. Uh, But I just kept being drawn to this passage this week when I was asking God what we should talk about and what we should pray about. And so we're just going to look at Mark chapter 2, 1 through 12, and we're just going to read this story, and I believe God wants to speak to us today. So from verse 1, this is how it goes. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, He said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. How can he forgive sin or who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you that you're here in this place. I pray that you would speak through this word, that it would touch someone's heart, that it would unlock something in us in the season that we're in. And so we thank you that you're here to illuminate this text to us. We love you. We honor you. Give you the priority in Jesus' name. We pray, Amen. Uh, real quick, gotta plug the chocolate. I forgot. Please grab some chocolate before we leave. We had a bunch left over from our anniversary. It has little ninety-nine smileys printed on it. So grab as much chocolate as you can. We really want to empty out. Cool. Okay. I want to go to verse two for a moment. So just to set up the picture, Jesus is in this house he's teaching. Word had spread that this phenomenal rabbi, this teacher, this amazing speaker was in this house. And so the crowds are gathering. They're flocking to this house, and they're trying to hear Jesus preach, trying to see what he could do. They had heard rumors that he could heal, that he could do miracles, that he's this amazing sage and preacher. And so they're gathering around this house. And in verse 2 it says, they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. We'll probably never experience this in our church's life, but there have been many revivals throughout history, Azusa Pacific, for example, where the the place was so packed that you couldn't even get to the door. And honestly, it probably was a safety hazard. You probably couldn't get out either. There's just so many people, a crowd, a sea of people. Now, to this man, you might be thinking, man, this man... This wasn't just any door to him. See, to him, this wasn't just access to this amazing rabbi. This wasn't just some door to a teacher that he wanted to hear for this man who was paralyzed. 
This door represented his breakthrough. It represented his healing. It represented his deepest desire. If he could just get to this door, if he could just get through this door and see Jesus, he'd finally have the thing he'd wanted his entire life. If he could just get through this door, he'd finally be fulfilled. See, back in the day, they were a lot, it was, it was almost, it was an injustice because people who were paralyzed, people who had ailments, People looked at them and said, not only are you disabled, but you are cursed. You're cursed by God. There was a stigma for people that were paralyzed, people that were not able. And people would look at them and say, you have been cursed. Like God is punishing you for something that you have done or for the sins of your family. And so for this man, he'd probably grown up his entire life being cursed, not being able to walk, living on this single mat not being able to feed himself or get up and dance or run with his friends or do anything, longing for a day that maybe somehow he could be healed and he could be walked and that he would no longer be cursed. See, this door wasn't just a door to him. This door represented so much more. And as I was reading this, I began to think, are there doors in your life today? Maybe you've come here and there's a door that you're thinking of that just comes to your mind as you're hearing this story. If I could just get through that door, it would solve everything. If I could just get through that door, I would finally be happy. If I could just get through that door, I could finally get that breakthrough that I've been praying for. Maybe it's that promotion at work. Maybe it's your future spouse. Maybe it's success. Maybe it's that thing that you've been praying and contending for. But I think all of us could think of a thing or two that if I just had that, God, if you just moved in this way, if I could just get through that, then all would be right. This is what was at stake for this man. This is how desperate he was to get to the door. But the story is that the door was blocked. There was no room for him to even get within the vicinity of the door. Everyone else was getting through but him. Come on, how many of you have ever been there where it's like everyone else is getting through the door but me? Everyone else is getting their breakthrough, but not me. Everyone else is getting their prayers answered, but not me. Everyone else is getting their dream job, their dream spouse, their dream car, their dream life, but me. Everyone else is getting through their door, but me. In my uh, early 20s, I was hella single. And all my friends, literally all my friends at the time were dating someone. And I kept thinking, God, why everyone else but me? Why has everyone found the door to the love of their lives and they're posting on Instagram and Facebook and they look so happy? Why not me? You know, we've all experienced that where we look around our lives and we say, why everyone else but me? And I imagine that's what this paralyzed man must have felt. Everyone could get through the door. In fact, everyone has the ability to walk. I'm on a mat. Everyone could get to the door. Everyone could get to Jesus but me. But here's where the plot thickens. See, there was no way through that door to Jesus. But how many of you know there was another door? Look to your neighbor and say, there's another door. Stealing this from Stephen Furtick, my man. Sometimes... Sometimes God will shut the door you think you need to go through in order to get you through the door that you need to go through. 
Come on, you thought you were supposed to go through that door, but there was another door. You thought that company was where you were supposed to be, but there's another door. You thought that person was who you were supposed to be with, but there's another door. See, we expect God to work one way, but he often surprises us by working in a way we never saw coming. When the way seems shut, God opens another door for us to go through. See, the end of the story was I was single as hell in my 20s. All my best friends was dating. Guess what? None of them stayed together. And guess what? I found the love of my life right after they all broke up. (laughs) I'm just saying there was another door. And maybe it's a different door for you. But that was the door for me. When we started this church, when we started 99, um, I I forget who I was talking to. Last year, we celebrated four years of being a church together. They're asking me, like, how do you feel? I'm like, I feel great. But if I were to be honest with you, looking around, like, this isn't the church that I would have imagined we would be pastoring four years ago. It looks very different from what we thought we would be past. We never thought we would be a church for the rebels and the runaways. All those things we discovered on the journey. And I love our story because God, we thought God was leading us to one door to be this kind of specific church. But God said, no, there's another way. There's another door. So hear me, church, if you feel like your door is blocked, if you feel like your breakthrough in sight is no longer accessible I feel like God is saying to you today, there's another door. There's another way that I'm moving. If you would just wait, stick with me and see. Now, the the passage goes on. It says, some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man, bringing to Jesus a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. I think this, this is the heart of what I want to talk about today. I think this is so beautiful. The man didn't have the ability, didn't have the strength, didn't have the means or the capability to get to Jesus on his own. He didn't have the strength, but how many of you know he had friends? He didn't have the means, but how many of you know he had friends? How many of you know that sometimes we need friends who will carry us to faith, who will carry us to hope, who will carry us to encouragement, who will carry us to breakthrough? If you haven't figured it out by now, you were not made to do this alone. You know, my greatest encouragement in pastoring this entire year Uh, More than anything, more than the song we release, more than the new building and the new venue, more than bringing Dr. Soong Chan Ra, more than anything, my greatest encouragement here in this community has simply been seeing people become good friends. And it almost feels like this season was what it was like when we started 99 in 2019, where we used to meet in that tiny upper room. It was right above a picture framing studio. It was probably like one twelfth of this size. But there was just this closeness between the people. And I feel like God has been doing that this year where friendships are blooming, not just people that go to community groups together, but people that are like, oh, this is my people, this is my person. And that's been one of the greatest encouraging things to see. See, how many of you know you won't make it far without friends? And I'm not talking about partners. I'm not talking about co-laborers. I'm not talking about people that you do things. I'm talking about friends, the type of friendship that's depicted here in this passage. 
But check it out. These weren't just ordinary friends. These weren't just thoughts and prayers kind of friends. These weren't just, I'll be praying for you kind of friends. These weren't just, you're on my mind kind of friends. These friends, when they saw this man in need, picked him up, carried him to the house that Jesus was in. And when they saw that the way was shut, the Bible says, they put him down, said, you're way too heavy. I'll be praying for you. No, that's not what the passage said. It said, nope, the way is shut. We're not going to stop until we find another way to Jesus for you. Sometimes you need friends who won't take no for an answer. You know, Krista um, is, you love Krista, right? Krista's amazing. She has like the biggest heart of gold. But you've never seen Krista talk to customer service that has wronged you. See, I'm the type of person, there, I think there are two types of people in every household. There's a type of person like me where like, um, if, if, if I run into a snag in, some, in the line of chain of command for customer service, I'll just be like, oh, really? Okay. Oh, that sucks. Not Krista. And not especially when it's someone that she knows or loves. And so I remember one time I was on the phone and I had, they had messed up my order or something. I said, there's nothing you can do, really? Oh, man. Okay, I guess that's it. And Krista overheard me. She was like three rooms over. She's like, excuse me? She's like, Mickey, give me the phone. And I'm scared. I'm like, Krista, it's okay. Like, it's fine. It'll be fine. Give me the phone. So I give her the phone. And this woman, for the next hour and a half, is on this phone speaking to supervisor after supervisor, making her way all the way up to the chain of command and getting my order fixed. You just, sometimes you need friends like my wife that'll not accept no for an answer. Friends, I will say, I'm not giving up until I get you through. By the way, she does it very respectfully. She does not dehumanize any of the people she talks to, but she is very firm, justice-oriented. Hallelujah. We all need a Krista in our lives. It says they carried him to the roof when they saw that the way was shut. And I love, they described it so in detail, he said, not only did they carry him to the roof, they began digging. Like they got on their knees and their hands and they started clawing at the material on the roof. They got their hands dirty. They're lifting material. They're sweating. It was probably hot. The sun beating on them. They began digging through the roof. This wasn't just, you know, we imagine, oh, they just open up the door, a latch on the roof. No, they were digging through the material. That's how desperately they wanted to get their friend to Jesus, to their breakthrough by whatever means necessary to make sure their friend got what they needed. They didn't just say, this is your problem. They said, this is our problem now too. We're not okay until you're okay. And the question I want to ask you today is this. Do you have four that would dig through the roof on your behalf? And I'm not talking about literally four, 
but like a four? Do you have those people in your life who will dig through the roof for you? People who will hold you through the night when you're in pain. People who will open up the doors when you need refuge. People who will protect you and defend you and stand for you. People who will fight for you. People who will pray and believe on your behalf when you've lost all ability to believe and to fight and to move forward. Do you have someone that is willing to dig through the roof for you? And maybe another question, are you that kind of friend to someone? Or are you a thoughts and prayers kind of friend that says, hey, I'll pray for you. And we know you ain't really praying for them. Come on, like, are you the kind of friend that just leaves it at that? Or who will carry that person in need up to the roof and dig through that roof? You know, I, um, you might have known, a lot of people don't know that come to our church, but um, I, I was a, at least here on the West Coast, I was a bit of a Christian rap superstar amongst youth Korean kids. It was a very sad career, to be quite honest. But, but any kind of influence or success that I had, actually, I still check my iTunes account every month. I make like 100 bucks randomly every month. And so I just check every few years. And it's, it's, it's nice. It's nice. It's really the charismatic people that I met in Kansas City that still buy music on iTunes that haven't figured out streaming. But anyway, I, I honestly can't attribute any success in my rap career, my short-lived rap career, to anything but the people around me. Like, I remember when I released my first project, which I cringe at to this day, it's called PTL, if you don't know, that's called Praise the Lord. I released that in 2010, and I remember um, at the time, you know, we were all on Facebook. Instagram was just blooming back then, and when I released the album, um, literally like 80 of my Facebook friends changed their profile picture to my album cover title and put the link to it. Um, I remember I did a showcase here in San Francisco. There's this uh, talent competition for Asian Americans called Collaboration. And I was part of the first collaboration here in San Francisco. And um, I didn't win. I should have won. But what I did win is I did win the Fan Favorite Award. And it's literally because all my friends showed up and yelled so loud Funny question, I mean, Chris and I weren't dating, but she yelled so loud that day, she actually had to take an ambulance to the hospital because she, like, almost passed out. Yeah, that's crazy. And then we got married. Who, who knew that would happen? But all I have to say, the success that I had in my short, unfulfilling rap career, none of it was because of me. It really was because of the people around me who said, we're going to push you through. And I wonder if you've ever had that experience where someone didn't just say, hey, be praying for you. But someone that actually walked you hand in hand through whatever you were going through, who said, I'm not going to leave your side. I'm not going to depart from you until we see the breakthrough that you've been longing for. I believe we all need a four like this. Now it says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. This is actually hella funny because think about this. After all this man and his friends went through, like carrying him from one village to the next, 
pushing past the crowds, climbing up onto the roof, digging through the roof in the hot sun, and finally lowering him to Jesus so that he can be healed, Jesus looks at him and says, your sins are forgiven. And he's like, excuse me, that's not what we came here for. Like, I came here to get healed. I didn't come for forgiveness. We didn't bust our asses for forgiveness. I came so I could get a miracle. And it's funny, like, we don't think about that. Like, imagine everything they went through, the four friends, especially the four friends. Like, they did all this work to lower this, their friend to Jesus so that he could be healed. And Jesus looks at him and says, son, your sins are forgiven. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't give the man what he wanted so that he could give him what he actually needed. He said, I know you think this healing will fix everything, but there's something more I want to give you. Something that will satisfy the deepest parts of your soul because even if I heal you right now, there's going to come a day where your legs aren't going to work anymore anyway. There's going to come a day where your body falls apart, but I want to give you something that's better. Something that's deeper. And sometimes what we want and what we need are two different things. And sometimes God won't give us what we want so that he can give us what we need. Sometimes the most loving thing that God can do for us is withhold the very thing we want so bad. Like I told you, Zion's at an age, my son, he's at an age where he wants things that will destroy him. So like when our dishwasher is open, like he's not going for the spoon or the plate. He's going for the knife. Like when he sees an electrical cord, he's not thinking, oh, I'm going to plug it in. He's thinking, oh, this belongs in my mouth. Like Zion, the things that if I gave him everything that he wanted right, now, he would utterly destroy himself. We would not have a baby anymore. You know, sometimes God doesn't give us what we want. He gives us what we need. And sometimes it's painful. Sometimes we feel like God's slighting us. Sometimes we feel like, God, do you even care about me? But sometimes God gives us what we want or what we need so that he could give us what we want. The question is, can you trust God knows what's best for you Can you trust that God knows what you need, even when it looks different from what you want? So this would be really messed up if the story ended up here, right? Like, son, your sins are forgiven. Thanks, Jesus. Like, cool. End of story. But I love how the story ends. It says, now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. And so he got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Oftentimes, God will give us what we need so that he could eventually give us what we want. He's not a God that denies the desires of our hearts. He's not a God that says, bury the thing that you want, bury the things that you're longing for, bury the things that you're contending for. He's not a God that does that. But sometimes he gives us what we want in an order that we don't want. Sometimes he gives us what we need 
so that we can sustain what we want. He'll give you what you need first so that when you get what you want, you won't destroy it. I I tell the story many times, but since we have so many new people, I did not need my driver's license at the age of 16, but it was everything I wanted. And guess what? One year after having my driver's license, I get a letter from the DMV. And this isn't even like paraphrasing. This is literally what it said. You are amongst California's worst drivers. You are the reason for deaths and accidents on the road. I got three strikes, three points in one year, and they had to take away my license. See, I wanted that license so bad, but how many of you know I was not ready to steward it? I still have that letter, by the way. Since then, I've been an amazing driver, but that that letter was very harsh, honestly. I'm not kidding. That's exactly what it said. Like, I'm not even joking. Look it up. But how many of you know what I wanted? I couldn't sustain what I wanted. I got what I wanted, and I lost it. I squandered it. But sometimes God needs to give us what we need so that when he gives us what we want, we're able to sustain it in a way that blesses us, blesses God, and blesses the people around us. See, I thought I needed a wife in my 20s, but how many of you know I needed emotional healing and maturity? See, I thought I needed a big church, but how many of you know I needed a band of rebels and runaways to teach me what it means to have covenant community? See, sometimes God doesn't give us what we want gives us what we need so that he can eventually give us what we want. And if you're at that place where you're wondering, God, this is the door that I want to go through. This is the thing that I think I need. I hear God saying, there's another door. Will you trust me? And will you trust the people in your life to lead you to the door that I want you to go through, even if it looks different from the door that you wanted to go through? So God bless Stephen Furtick for this amazing message. <laughs> Just kidding. I, I only took a part of his sermon, by the way. There's another door. You could find it on YouTube. He does it a lot better. But, but I do feel like for some reason God was drawing me to this passage today. And I believe that there are some of us here that are facing disappointment in our lives. Where, um, we're at a place where we thought things would pan out differently from where we're at right now. We thought my career would pan out differently, thought my love life would pan out differently, thought I would not be in San Francisco anymore, that I'll be somewhere else, like the green pastures of New York or something. I don't know. By the way, there's a big chunk of our church that's in New York right now. They know exactly what they're doing in my heart. But I just feel like a lot of us are coming in here today with disappointment from this season. And we're like, God, like, I thought this is the door that you were leading me to. But why, why is the way shut? Like, why is it blocked? And why is everyone else getting blessed and not me? I just hear God saying, there's another door. And I just feel like the thing that he wants us to really lean into in this season is to find those people in our lives that will carry us through. That will say, hey, um, I don't really know what to do for you right now, but I'm here with you and we'll figure it out. And I'm not leaving your side until we do.